Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and it's off-season time. There's no games left on the field to talk about. All that's left is to talk about transactions, business decisions, and all the off-season proceedings, trades, who knows what's going to happen, free agent signings. So I told you when there would be big Indians news, I'd be back this winter to talk about it. So happy Halloween, everybody. It's October 31st, and there is some Cleveland Indians news to talk about. Now, Indians Twitter has been going crazy over the last 24 hours, 48 hours, ever since they announced uh, what was happening with Brad Hand. Indians Twitter has been going crazy. So I thought it'd be the perfect time to jump in, talk about it, give you a little bit of Cleveland Indians talk in your podcast feed because it is officially Brown season around here and it is going to be 24-7 Cleveland Browns and a little bit, little bit of Ohio State Buckeyes. So uh, that seems to be the mix here in Cleveland. So let's do a little bit of baseball talk. Hey, I'm enjoying the Brown season. I'm glad the Buckeyes are back. I love Buckeye football. So that stuff is fun. The NBA draft is coming up. There's going to be a, a, a teeny bit of Cavs talk worth talking about with the NBA draft. But I still love talking baseball. So let's get into it. Uh, big MLB news since we last talked. Uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers won the World Series. So congratulations to the Dodgers. Uh, I I was rooting for Tampa in the series, I, I tend when my team's not in it, I always find myself kind of rooting for the underdog team, right? In the Super Bowl, I'm always rooting for whoever's playing against the Patriots. And in this World Series, I was rooting for I was rooting for Tampa just, just because I like to see the little guy beat up on the big guy sometimes. But in the back of my mind, you know, this is the, the third time in four years that the Dodgers have been there. And it, it kind of felt like it kind of felt like they deserved to win one, especially everything they went through going against Houston. And I think going against the Red Sox and their other one, it just felt like, yeah, it, it, the Dodgers just needed to get one, right? We needed the LA Dodgers. They're, they're a classic team um, going, you know, going back to the old New York days. They're a, kind of a legendary team. And it's the team of Jackie Robinson and stuff like that. And yeah, I, I've always kind of had a soft spot for the Dodgers when it comes to those bigger teams, right? The Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers, the teams that spend absurd amounts of money. I've always kind of rooted for the Dodgers over any of those other huge teams. So yeah, I, I'm glad they won it. And they kind of they got it out of their system right now. Maybe they won't be spend so much ridiculous money uh, in the future. Now that they finally won that World Series, maybe they'll calm down a little bit, come back to earth a little bit, and uh, yeah, we'll see. Or they'll go even crazier and trade for Francisco Lindor and sign him to a four hundred million dollar contract. And uh, who knows? Who knows what the future holds for the Dodgers? But congrats to the Dodgers on winning the World Series. It was a it was a good series. It was a good playoffs. Like there were some really compelling games, compelling decisions, plays, matchups. The end of I think it was game four when Arosa Reina scores coming around third base, slips and falls, but then the ball scoots away. The two errors to end the game. 
that was insane. That was, I were watching TV, me and my wife, and I'm watching the game on my phone because I am in no way am I able to convince my wife that we should be watching the World Series at 11 o'clock at night, at midnight, uh, when Cleveland's not even playing in it. So I'm watching on my phone, and I'm losing my mind, and I try to describe to her like what just happened. How do you describe that play to somebody? Um, without I had to act it out in the living room. I was that that excited about the play. So it was a good World Series. I, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, everyone's going to be talking about taking Snell out of the game, right? They took Kevin Cash took Snell out of the game too early. Yeah, I probably. We'll, we'll get into a deeper discussion about how starting pitchers were used in the playoffs. And it was, I, I don't know. I don't know how the Indian starters would handle that. Like, how would Sandy Elamar, how would uh, Terry Francona handle their starters' usage in the playoffs? Would they be as strict? Because they've kind of built this team around the starters. And I feel like Cleveland would give their starters a little more leeway than Tampa or L.A. was giving their starters, especially L.A. My God, if you had one, if you had a bad batter in the first inning, your night could be over. So I feel like Cleveland would give a lot more leeway because their team is built around starting pitching. And it's going to continue to be built around starting pitching, as we'll get into. Uh, other big news, the uh, AL Central uh, opponents have been hiring new managers. So A.J. Hinch gets hired by the Tigers. And Hall of Famer Tony La Russa gets hired by uh, the White Sox. That's bizarre. That's a bizarre move. Like... I haven't I haven't been following the White Sox media that closely, but I haven't seen a uh, a press conference or anything where or a quote where anyone from the White Sox organization is like, "This is our guy. This is we got a legend, and he's gonna turn our team around." I I don't know. Maybe it's out there, but I haven't heard it. I haven't seen it on anything on MLB Network or anything I've been listening to. It's kind of a bizarre decision. And then, I mean, with AJ Hinch in the Tigers, yeah. Yeah, he was a good manager down in Houston, and despite the scandal, despite the cheating, uh, he led them to a lot of success. The Tigers still have a ton of work to do on their roster. I don't think this is the kind of decision that's going to hurt us next year. Maybe three to four years from now, if the Tigers flip this thing around and their young guys you know, develop, three or four years from now, A.J. Hinch could be a challenge, but I don't think in the 2021 season we're going to have to worry about it. So uh, not not devastating news for the Cleveland Indians with those two hirings in the AL Central. It's still going to be a tough division. It's still going to be the White Sox and the Indians and the Twins slugging it out next year. And uh, who, who knows? Who knows when Kansas City and the Tigers will be ready to re-enter that fray. I always like Kansas City's rebuild and the young players they have there. They just don't seem to have developed yet. You know, they haven't developed into that potent lineup that the White Sox have or that incredible pitching staff that the Indians have. So it felt like Kansas City was going a little bit more towards the lineup, trying to do more like the White Sox have with young names. Um, Yeah, it just hasn't developed yet for Kansas City. So Indians... Will will they still be competitive? I mean, all right, so let's get into it. Let's get into the decision the Indians made because the question is, are the Indians still contending for a pennant? Are they still in that contention window? And the decisions they made recently 
they had options on players and they made decisions for four players for Carlos Santana, for Brad Hand, and for Domingo Santana. They declined their options, which means all three players are now free agents. For Roberto Perez, they picked up his option. So Roberto Perez is on the team. I believe it's over $5 million, his contract. So he is on the team for next year. There's still other decisions to make. Uh, Austin Hedges, I think there's decisions to make on him. Uh Sandy Leone is a free agent. He, he, he was on a one-year contract, so he was just a free agent. But let's talk about Brad Hand, Carlos Santana. I'm not worried about Domingo Santana. I hated Domingo Santana. He was a terrible outfielder. He wasn't hitting. There was no way we should have paid him. What I think his option was also around $5 million. Good. Glad, glad, you know, hopefully he catches on somewhere else. Good luck to him. Thanks for your service, but no thanks. Did not need Domingo Santana back. So uh, let's talk about Brad Hand. Let's talk about Carlos Santana. And let's talk about what's going on in Major League Baseball. So Brad Hand, not only did they decline his option, first they put him on waivers, which means if another team claimed him, they could have had him. They could have just legitimately had him. They would have paid his $10 million contract, and he would have been on their team. And nobody took him. Nobody wanted a closer at $10 million. And this is the guy that led baseball in in saves. This is one of the best relievers, statistically, one of the best relievers in Major League Baseball last year. And nobody wanted him at $10 million. And I think I saw Anthony Kastrovin said something like $10 million is the new $20 million, right? that the the economics of baseball now make 10 million feel like 20 million felt a few years ago. And that's why nobody took a run at Brad Hand. And now so the Indians are forced to pay because of this the Indians are forced to pay his buyout. They have to pay the buyout on Carlos Santana too. So they actually have to throw a little money at this to get rid of guys. But Carlos Santana was scheduled to make like 17 million and yeah, there's just with the way he hit last year, there's absolutely no way you could pay Carlos Santana 17 million. Let me tell you about the contracts of first baseman in Major League Baseball. These are the top six guys. These top six guys are all over 20 million dollars. You have Albert Pujols at 30 million. Jesus. Man, do you think Angels regret that contract? I mean, Pujols is great. And he's a Hall of Famer, and he's a legend. But $30 million now in age 41 season. Man. Paul Goldschmidt at 26. Joey Votto at $25 million. Freddie Freeman at a little over 22. Chris Davis of the Orioles, a little over $21 million. Talk about a contract you regret. He has been awful and been paid so much money. Eric Hosmer, $21 million. For the San Diego Padres, all right, now you get into the Carlos Santana range. Jose Abreu is getting $17.6 million. Carlos Santana, $17.5 million. Brandon Belt for San Francisco Giants, $17.2 million. Anthony Rizzo from the Chicago Cubs at $16.5 million. And Miguel Sano for the Twins at $11 million. I'll even throw in Max Muncy in the Dodgers at $9 million. So that's the company. Does Carlos Santana keep company with those guys? Oof, not after the season he just had. I mean, Jose Abreu, 
is one or two in the MVP conversation this year. And he made slightly more than Carlos Santana. Basically made the same thing that Santana did. Is Santana worth $17 million? Let's get into Santana's stats. We all know it was a pretty rough season for him. He hit 199 on the season. Do any of the other numbers make it look any better? No. Every number was probably, I think, the worst of his career. His slugging was definitely the worst of his career. His on-base percentage, even though he walked, even though he walked at the highest rate of his career since his rookie season, at 18.4% walks, his on-base percentage was still the lowest of his career at at .349. His weighted on-base percentage was the lowest of his career. His weighted runs created plus, WRC plus, for the first time ever in his career, and remember those plus stats, league average is set to 100. You want to be over 100, and he has his entire career. That's what made Carlos Santana so great. He'd, he'd, he'd produce. He'd find ways to produce. Even in seasons, even in his Philly season when he only hit 231, his WRC plus was still over 100. It was 108. Last year, 95. It slipped below league average for the first time ever. Yeah, this guy just is not it's not worth it's not worth 17 million dollars. Now, is there a chance that they could restructure something with him and bring him back on another deal? Maybe. Maybe only in the sense that there are going to be a lot of big name players out there without contracts. There are a lot of guys that got their options declined. This is from uh, the NBC Sports Affiliate of Philadelphia. This is the most recent I could find list of notable free agents who had their options declined. Listen to some of these names. The World Series runners-up, the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, declined the option on Charlie Morton, one of the best pitchers in the playoffs over the last few years. They declined his option for only $15 million. Would you pay an ace pitcher $15 million? Absolutely. Nope. The Rays said, nope, no thank you. Too expensive. And they also, uh, I believe they also declined the option on Zunino, their catcher, who had some really big hits in the playoffs. The Braves declined the option on Darren O'Day, who's a veteran submarine right-hander. His option was only $3.5 million, and the Braves were like, no, we're not paying $3.5 million to a reliever. Um, the Rangers declined the option on Corey Kluber for $18 million. Now, that one's fair. I mean, Kluber got hurt. He's barely pitched in two years. He is, I mean, he is a two-time Cy Young winner, but the Rangers just couldn't pay $18 million for a guy who never saw the field for them. Uh, so I can't totally blame them there. The Cardinals declined the option on second baseman Colton Wong. Probably... Probably Colton Wong and Cesar Hernandez are the top of the second base free agent market now. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. The Nationals declined uh, a ton of options. They declined the options on center on outfielder Adam Eden. They declined on starting pitcher Anibal Sanchez, on Eric Thames, on Howie Kendrick. They're just slashing over there, just slashing options over there. The most expensive of those was Sanchez's at $12 million. Eden was at $10.5 million. 
Thames at four and Kendrick at 6.5 with a 2.25 million buyout. That's an expensive buyout. The Yankees declined the options on J.A. Happ and Brett Gardner. Gardner has played his whole career there. They declined his option at 10 million. The Yankees, the Yankees thought 10 million was too expensive. The Twins let go of Sergio Romo. They declined his option. The Brewers let go of the option on Ryan Braun, a 15 million option with a 4 million buyout. So yeah, there were some big, big names that got their options declined. And that means they're free agents. These guys, guys like Ryan Braun or Brett Gardner have been with their team forever. They're like, nope, not, we're, we're declining your option. We're not, if we have a chance to cut money here, we're cutting a little money here. Will those guys end up back with their teams? Who knows? It's the Wild West right now. Nobody knows what's going to happen to these guys. I mean, everybody around Major Baseball. This is really what I wanted to talk about today. And I tweeted it out. This is not just happening to the Cleveland Indians. This is happening all around Major League Baseball. What is going to be the free agent market? Not to mention the guys that are just happen to be free agents. Their contracts came to an end after 2020. What's going to be the market out there for these guys? I could see. I mean, we we ran into this situation, was it last year or two years ago, where the players actually had to set up their own spring training camp because they weren't getting contracts soon enough. Uh, general managers and owners were waiting so deep into spring training to offer these guys contracts that they needed to get in shape for the season. So they started their own like free agent spring training camp. I mean, I legitimately can see a situation where guys like, maybe not Mort, Morton was so good, but guys like Kluber and Colton Wong and Adam Eden and Carlos Santana's of the world and Brett Gardner's just don't have a team to play on. Teams just say, look, we're going with our internal guys. We're going with guys under team control with you know that are pre-arbitration. We're just going to go with our young guys. There could be a whole roster of free agents out there that could probably make up a competitive World Series team. All right, the other guy for the Indians that was let go was Brad Hand. And everybody was talking about how could you let this guy go? $10 million. He was the best closer in baseball statistically last year. And, of course, we all forget the the heartburn that Brad Hand gave us all season. But he was. He had 16 saves last year. But let's take a look at some of the more advanced numbers. His strikeouts were down. His strikeouts, Ks per nine innings were down. You know, and... and when we're looking at numbers for 2020, we the only way we're going to be able to compare them to other seasons is to look at these like per nine inning stats or these percentage stats because there's no way you could just compare straight numbers. So uh, for his career on the Indians, the last two seasons, 2018 and 2019, he had been over 13 strikeouts per nine innings. It dropped to 11.89 strikeouts per nine innings. However, his walks were down. He only walked 1.64 batters per nine innings, which was the lowest of his entire career. Apparently, he did not give up a home run either the entire season. Uh, His batting average balls on play, his bat bip, which is a very fun stat, right? It takes out um, strikeouts. It takes out walks. It just looks at the balls that were put in play, what happened with those. That was the second lowest of his career. Well, third lowest, if you go back to his rookie season, at uh, 255. 
which means, yeah, he had good defense behind him this year. He also had a little bit of luck this year. His ERA was the lowest of his career at 2.05. His FIP, his fielding independent pitching, so these are the things he can control. These are the, it takes out all the plays in the field, the things he can control. Hits, uh, home runs, walks, strikeouts. That was the lowest of his career by far, 1.37 FIP. That is a good FIP. What are some of the other stats, though? There are some stats that show a little bit of decline here. His batted balls, he definitely let up a lot more fly balls this year. Uh, He's never been this high of a fly ball pitcher. He was at 57% fly balls this year. That is definitely the highest of his career. Only 16.3% ground balls, which could have led to a little bit of the heartburn, right, that he gave us throughout the season. But again, he didn't give up a home run. So despite all those fly balls, no home runs on the season. The other thing we got to look at is his pitches that he threw um, because his velocity is definitely down. So he threw only 47% fastballs, 47.9% fastballs. He'd been throwing less fastballs since he came to the Indians. Before in his career, when he was with the Marlins, he was in the 60, high 60% fastball rate. When he was with the Padres for a few seasons, he was 61%, 51% uh, fastball. And then when he gets to the Indians, he's been in the 40s. He's been 45% fastballs the last two seasons and then 47% last year. But the velocity is down. Uh, His great year with the Padres, he was at 93.5 with his average velocity with his fastball. He was at 93.6 when he came to us. Last year, he was at 92.7. This year, his average fastball velocity was down to 91.4. His slider velocity is even down, which... Seems a little strange. You don't think as an arm tires, it would affect the slider as much as it affects the fastball. It could be more mechanical with the way he's throwing it. But for the first time ever, it always been in the low 80s, around 82. For the first time ever, his average velocity on a slider was under 80. It was 79.6. And he threw the slider 51% of the time. So, yeah, so uh, that's a little bit concerning, right? Obviously, as a pitcher gets older, the velocity is going to go down. And we're in the age where these relievers are th- are hitting 100 consistently. Look at the relievers for the Rays and the Dodgers. They were lighting up the radar gun, and the Indians do not have anyone like that. I mean, Karinchek is our hardest-throwing reliever, and even he was in the mid-'90s this season. Uh, Class A is supposed to be that guy. We will see when he returns in 2021 if he is indeed that guy who's popping that radar gun at 100 miles per hour. But, yeah, the the velocity dropping for Brad Hand is concerning. When he can hit 93, 94, 95 on the radar gun and then mixing it with that slider, that's really effective. If he's more around 90, 91, 92, does the difference in pitch between that and the slider have as much effect? The other thing I wanted to look at was his uh, swing and miss. We've talked about this before. The O swing, the percentage of swings outside the strike zone, stayed pretty consistent with where it had been in his career, 29.7%. He's always hovered right around high 20s, low 30s in that for his career. Uh, Swinging inside the zone was actually a little bit lower. It was under 60% that guys would swing inside the zone. His swing percentage overall for his career was pretty consistent in the low 40s. 
the thing that was uh, a little bit different this year is his swinging strike. His swinging strike percentage, the percentage of strikes that were swung at and missed by opposing batters, he had gotten it all the way up to about 13% swinging strike. His entire career with the Indians so far had been there. Last year was only at 10.5%. So he just was not getting the swinging strikes like he had in the past. And, uh, yeah, he gave us some heartburn. He gave us a real heartburn this year. You forget how many times guys were on base against him. And uh, it, he danced around it. He always found a way to get out of it last year. But with those numbers, with that velocity going down, even though he pitched the best he's pitched in his career, do you have confidence in Brad Hand going ahead next year? I mean, if, if part of me feels like, you know, we can't let a guy like this go. Like we, we traded for him. We put so much effort into him. He's been there for us for the last few seasons. But at the same time, at $10 million, Major League Baseball is just moving away from this, right? They're going, every bullpen is going to be full, filled with young, controllable arms. That's just the way everybody seems to be moving. And I think it's telling that nobody picked up the option on him. Nobody wanted to risk a guy whose velocity is going down. On, they, no one wanted to risk $10 million on that guy. So I know we're upset. I know we're pissed to see some of these notable players being let go on our team, guys that you could just easily flip the switch, pick up the option, and boom, you'd be set. You'd have that guy locked into his spot. But this is not just systematic of the Dolans and Antonetti and Chernoff and the Indians. This is going to happen all over Major League Baseball. So We'll see if Carlos Santana can come back on uh, a reduced deal or if Brad Hand, what is Brad Hand going to get when he finally picks up with a team? I got to imagine there's a market for Brad Hand. What is that market at? Is it, is it 5 million? Is it 8 million? Was, you know, who knows? Who knows what Brad Hand's going to get out there on the free agent market? Is he going to have to settle for an invite to spring training with a major league option, you know? You know, is someone like Corey Kluber going to have to do that? You know, a legend like Corey Kluber, is he going to have to take a minor league invite with an incentive-laden contract? I don't see anybody out there giving Corey Kluber $10, 15000000 million. It's probably going to be an invite to spring training with something like, you know, if you hit if you hit 100 innings pitched, you know, we'll bump you up to $5 million. If you hit 150 innings pitched, we'll take it up to $7.5 million. If you get you know, 150 strikeouts will bump it up this far. It's going to have to be a contract like that because there's no guarantee Kluber is going to be ready to pitch. He's going to stay on the field. There's no guarantee he's going to stay healthy. So we'll see what the market is for Brad Hand. I'm guessing Brad Hand will have a better market than Carlos Santana. I don't think anyone's going to sign Carlos Santana. I really, I really think Santana's only chance is to come back to the Indians at maybe $5 million or something like that. But even then, will the Indians do it? There are so many players that Santana blocks in the farm system. Uh, whether it's Bobby Bradley, whether it's Jake Bowers, whether it's uh, even Nolan Jones moving across to first base because Jose Ramirez is blocking him at third, and they want to get Nolan Jones on the field. Would Nolan Jones move across the diamond and take over first base? 
there's so many players that Carlos Santana blocks. And I know we love Santana. I know he's been great in this city. He loves Cleveland. But I think you're going to see a real youth movement here. I don't know who the guy would be to step up and play second base. I mean, maybe Yu Chang if uh, if we don't trade Lindor, which everybody, everybody in Major League Baseball, every writer for the Cleveland Indians, every radio host all expect us to trade Francisco Lindor this offseason. So how will that shake things up? What kind of players is that going to bring back in return? You know, how will that fill out the roster? So it's going to get crazier. I know you were outraged Indians Twitter about Brad Hand and Carlos Santana. I know you're – I get Roberto Perez. I get why you keep Roberto Perez. That guy knows how to lead a pitching staff. Your pitchers have been fantastic. All-star caliber with him catching, right? MVP caliber with him catching. And you want him back there calling games. Even though he had a struggled offensively, even though he battled through some injuries this season – you want Roberto Perez catching your pitching staff. It's that simple. So I think the Indians are willing to deal with whatever they have to deal with in the eight-hole batting out of him. They'll be happy for whatever home runs he can hit, and they want him throwing runners out, trying to steal, and calling pitches for their pitching staff. So that's why you keep Roberto Perez. So yeah, so... Hang on to your anger, Indians fans. Hold on to it because there's probably going to be a lot more to be angry about this offseason. And it's going to be all Major League Baseball fans, right? I mean, are the there's there's I've even heard some talk, some talk that would the Major League Baseball Players Association look into the owners for collusion this offseason, right? Could there be some collusion where the owners are going, we we have to. We have to rein in the amount of money we're spending. In the COVID era, we cannot keep spending like this and trying to outspend each other. We need to rein it in. And that would be collusion. And the Players Association would have a case on their hands. I, it feels like that's coming, right? It Doesn't it feel like that's the, that's the climate we're in right now, that the owners would do something like that, where they would try to rein in the amount of money they're spending? I know there's also like a collective bargaining agreement coming up. It's something that I'm sure is going to be a brutal, brutal fight between the owners and the players. So, yeah. So, uh, the climate in Major League Baseball right now is not good. It's not healthy. I So, we'll see. We will see what happens with Carlos Santana, with Brad Hand, where they go from here, where they move on with their careers, and what they get paid. It's going to be really, really fascinating. So those are all my thoughts this morning. Got a lot to do on this Halloween morning. Got to get that candy ready to pass out safely from a distance. Got to uh, carve some pumpkins. So, And we got to watch some Ohio State Buckeyes uh, football tonight. So a lot of fun things going on today. I hope you enjoy your Halloween. Don't get too mad at the Indians right now. Uh, yeah, the Dolans suck. Look, it's easy to say. Dolans suck. They're cutting money like crazy. They're they're cheap, but we've always known they've been cheap. It's it's something we've dealt with as Indians fans. We still have a good baseball team here in Cleveland. We still right now, right now, until they trade Lindor, we still have a really competitive team here in Cleveland. I'm excited to see what some of the younger guys are going to do. You know, I'm excited. 
We need it. We need your farm system to develop some players. And so I'm excited to see what could happen with guys like Bobby Bradley and stuff like that. So we will see what the rest of the offseason has in store for us because it is going to be a roller coaster ride. It is going to be a crazy ride. It is going to be, I think, a lot more angry days on Indians Twitter before it's all said and done. So those are all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com, especially during this offseason. If you've got thoughts, email them over. If you've got something to say, email it to me at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com, and we will talk about it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on air, respond to your thoughts, and have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.